On today's episode, we'll be discussing Star Wars The Mandalorian. We'll also be talking about Pedro Pascal and whether or not he'll be returning for the series in a season three. I mean, that was a rumor. That was a rumor? That was a rumor, yeah. Was it not true? Yeah, it wasn't true that he ended up, like, being mad that he wasn't getting enough FaceTime. Well, actually, when I was watching this episode, and it has Timothy Oliphant in it, we're going to be talking a lot of spoilers here, so if you haven't seen the episode, I'd suggest tuning out right now, but Timothy Oliphant plays a marshal. Mm -hmm. Is he a marshal in Justified? Yeah, he's a deputy marshal. Well, he's a self-proclaimed marshal in this series, Mm -hmm. And he comes walking in there with his cosplay outfit of a Mandalorian. (laughs) And then he takes off his mask. And for the rest of the episode, he's not wearing a mask. And so you got Pedro Pascal, who has to do acting right next to the guy the entire episode, knowing that half the reason that he's not wearing a mask is because they want to show off Timothy Oliphant. Well, I think when he was speaking to those creatures and doing the weird, like, clicking sounds and stuff, I think that that was ADR. I think the majority of it is ADR for every character because there's a number of prosthetic characters who I think when their voice moves, like, they don't sound like that. And then there's that scene where they're both on the speedsters. I'm talking about Marshall and uh, the Mandalorian. And Timothy Oliphant just starts speaking in a normal voice and suddenly you can hear his narration, like, completely clearly... There's no sign that they're going at a thousand miles per hour in the dust and wind. Like you can literally hear the motors of the speedsters most of the time. That would overwhelm anything that you're trying to say. And yet he was just speaking in a normal volume. He wasn't even raising his voice. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I I actually realized that as well. I kind of want to talk about some of the other people that they have in the episode as well. We have Pelimoto played by Amy Sedaris. She appeared in the fifth episode and was the mechanic when the Mandalorian ended up like getting broken after. Yeah, Princess Carolyn and also No Activity. She's usually a blonde, I think. But not enough Bill Burr. Well, actually, do you know who the uh, first character was? Gore Koresh, the green person? Uh, Bill Burr. <laughs> no, <I'm, laughs> no, I have no idea. It was voiced by John Leguizamo. The Zamo himself. And that's right after the first scene where we see the Mandalorian just walking through this deserted town that looked like it's been hit pretty hard with COVID. Like, <laughs> And then they walk in and they see those two people fighting. And, you know, those look like rejects from the Warcraft movie. <laughs> yeah. Like those then... green CGI guys, they're not good. There's some there's some good CGI in this episode. Obviously, that dragon snake worm thing. And then the, uh, what are the mole rats called again? Womp rats. One of the things I find the coolest about this show is that it's not just pure CGI. For example, Baby Yoda is a puppet whose gestures are, like, made of two different parts. Um, one, his eyes and his mouth, and two, his facial expressions, and also the... It's bl- Andy Serkis, right? <laughs> yeah. And also, uh, the blurgs were stop motion, and the blurgs were the thing... They're not those, like, woolly mammoth thing that we see in this episode that the sand people are writing. No, right? but I think they did the same thing with uh, those creatures. But the blurs were uh, actually created by the stupid buddy studios who work on Robot Chicken, which I found funny because Robot Chicken does all those Star Wars parodies. Yeah, Seth Green's a huge fan. <laughs> yeah, and um, well, Ludwig Göransson, who also did was a composer, I found this interesting, was recommended by other directors like Ryan Coogler, who worked on Black Panther, Anthony and Joe Russo, who worked on the Avengers films, and... And Donald Glover. And Donald Glover also worked on uh, the prequel Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. And he won the Emmy for um, Outstanding Music Composition. Ludwig Göransson did. Yeah, there's a lot of big names attached. I'm not surprised. It's Disney money. It's Star Wars. They're not going to cheap out on it. Yeah, and uh, all, so I guess I also want to bring up that the directors are also big names. Bryce Dallas Howard worked on episode. Never heard of him. <laughs> Dave Filoni, who worked on the... Doesn't uh, sound like you've heard of him. <laughs> well, he, he worked on the animation, the Star Wars animation one. I think the Clone Wars or Rebels. So there have been separate Clone Wars. I know that there was one that was animated, and then there's one that's like 3D. Yeah, he worked on the 3D one, the one that was based off of the 2008 3D movie. Mm-hmm. 
and also he's worked on Rebels. He was the creator of Rebels, which I think is still going on as of now. So he's familiar with the lore. Before we get too far, I just wanted to mention that Dark Crystal also did something similar with its 3D animated effects and also with its like puppeteering. Yeah. I think most of it was all was pu- puppeteering, but then they just added a few 3D effects in there. Yeah, and I actually have something about the uh, Empire Strikes Back because uh, I was doing some research on Baby Yoda because he's like a you know a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. In Empire, Frank Oz, uh, who was like a legend in puppeteering, he voiced and worked with the Yoda puppet, as well as other iconic characters. So he was the original guy who did Yoda. Yeah, exactly. And uh, along with other iconic characters like Miss Piggy, Cookie Monster. Hold up. He did Miss Piggy? Like he voiced Mrs. Piggy? Yeah, the same. That was a guy? Yeah. Crazy. Okay. (laughs) That's like Mel Blanc level like range right there. Yeah, that's why he's a legend. Getting back to the episode, this season kicks off with the Mandalorian trying to find other Mandalorians. Mm -hmm. We saw in the flashback that he leaves Lando and the girl. That's right. We find him walking around this town with baby yoda and then he makes his way into a wrestling place yeah they were wrestling in it but i think it was like a nightclub it was a weird wrestling thing because they had like weapons and stuff but uh he ends up finding the gore Korish guy who <laughs> the makeup for that i thought was really cool um you think that's an actual like person they didn't just cgi the face on no i think that they cgi the face on i guess just saying i think he looks cool and we see he's really evil like he even shoots one of the people who are wrestling yeah he's pretty predictable though as a villain he's he, the mandalorian gets betrayed like half the time that he does <laughs> yeah. anything and it seems like people should be more aware that the Mandalorians in general can screw you over. Like their uniforms and stuff are just decked out with weapons. So like a few goons pointing a gun at you is not going to stop them. Yeah, and I think that if he was like a villain for the whole entire season, I'd probably have a problem with him. Because <laughs> like you said, he was pretty predictable. But for the opening scene, I thought that he was like fine. I did find him predictable when the Mandalorian was like, you're not going to die by my hand. And then he shoots the light. But I still thought it was a cool scene, seeing like the red yeah, eyes Yeah, he went Batman out. on him basically, <laughs> turning his body upside down and then asking him questions. But it was also a callback to the first scene where he used the lasso on the guy. Like, that was the intro scene of the first episode. Yeah, man, it's on his wrist. And I, his wrist seems to be like the Batman utility belt. Like, it has everything he needs at that moment. Like, it even takes out the He's going to run out of those. No, he's going to run out of those rockets. Because we saw in the first season they are specially made. Yeah, but the metal is super rare and expensive regardless. And I, that's really what the Gorkorish guy was wanting. Mm-hmm. Well, also the Mandalorian uniforms in general are just really sought after. Like, you saw that... The Marshall's character when we get that introduction scene and then we see that he traded those crystals for that outfit. Like if you look at the outfit itself, it's kind of clunky and it it's got tattered. that. Yeah, it's tattered. It's got like a bullet hole wound in it. <laughs> and then it's got like a random tube that comes up, which somehow still launches a rocket out of there whenever he needs to. I thought that was really cool though. Like, yeah, it, yeah. it looks cool. But then when you're looking at the actual thing, it looks like a rejected Comic-Con like <laughs> thing that someone made years ago. And one of the things I like about the Marshall's character is um, when he takes off his helmet, you were able to tell what the Mandalorian was thinking. He was like, oh, this guy is like really annoying because you're not supposed to take off your helmet as a Mandalorian and the Marshall guy is like well I think he knew automatically that he wasn't actually a Mandalorian especially when he walked into the bar I was just saying that like I found it cool how the Marshall guy he was like I found it convenient because at the end of the season when we had that rumor about Pedro Pascal saying that he wanted to take off his helmet more he might have seen Timothy Oliphant and he was like (laughs) that guy got to do it why can't I but yeah part of me thought that at the end of the episode he was gonna let Timothy Oliphant keep the outfit too yeah Yeah, but that would have been so cheesy yeah I mean the Mandalorian is at its best whenever it like kind of sticks to his story. So when I saw that it was going this like monster a week route, I was kind of like, ugh. But the more is it going to keep that up? 
Uh, I mean, I assume that will. I know that, like, the this first season... This felt like it was an homage to old Gunsmoke episodes. Oh, yeah, and I think like, that... Like, they did the long-ranging shots that you get in, like, Godless. Well, yeah, they basically shoot this in a studio, and it's really, really high-tech. I even have here. The show was filmed in New York and also Gundo, California. However, 50% of the first season of The Mandalorian was filmed using sta- stagecraft, which has actors performing in a 20-foot-high, 270-degree semicircular LED video wall. I don't remember as many overhead shots, and I didn't watch the full first season, but I don't remember there being so many landscapes. Well, what the show likes to do is it likes to take real place, uh, like virtual backgrounds uh, that are high definition, because uh, apparently that soundstage is able to let them do that, and that's why the places that they shoot at, like the desert places, look so realistic. Mm-hmm. For and, different planets. Yeah, and uh, apparently, I guess I have, like, a lot of stuff on this stage. Like, it's the first show to use real-time rendering as it's being, like, shot, which I think is really cool. But did, that, they, did they film this before COVID? Yeah, they were able to finish, I think, like, a week before all the lockdowns really started happening. And they started filming in November 2019. Okay, and are they going for another season? Yeah, I think season three has already been picked up. I know that this, like, has basically crushed the ratings with Disney+. Plus, and I, I saw a lot of headlines that were like, oh, well, it's time to start out my Disney Plus accounting again because the mandalorian is back <laughs> you know i didn't see Giancarlo esposito in this episode yeah the main villain from last season who we saw survived by the end right and he has that cool like black he sword, saber he has a sword i saber. think it, it was used by the mandalorians like a mandalorian leader and then he was able to somehow steal it or he killed the mandalorian leader okay yeah we but he, i think he's still supposed to be in the show but obviously the, but the one villain but he's playing double duty because he was also in um uh, yeah, he's had a crazy like the boys. The, the boys. Yeah. He, he's a villain there too. One of the things I found in, a villain that I found interesting about the show was: Do you know who the ending person was? The ending person who was watching the Mandalorian. Oh yeah, they always just ended it with like a guy just well, watching. From that the wasn't just a guy. That was Bubba Fett. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, apparently this show did a cool reference with Boba Fett because a lot of people are divisive on his death that happened in the sixth Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. But what the show did was it kind of made fun of that where. When they're facing the big, like, uh, snake thing, the big what is, dragon. Oh, so wait, wait, wait. Boba Fett is a Mandalorian. Yeah. But he's not wearing his mask. Is that uniform that Timothy Oliphant wear, was could, wearing, that be. was his uniform? Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, and also he's badly scarred, if you saw his face clearly. Yeah, I didn't see his face. But one of the things I liked that they did in the episode was when they're facing that dragon, like, snake thing, they referenced Boba Fett's death because, do you remember when uh, the Mandalorian used, like, the oxygen tank or whatever to fly himself up and yeah it was the white he, gas. he hit it and then the right. thing went and that, that was supposed to be kind of like a reference like oh the yeah. same thing yeah that so that's so yeah i like that part i really did like the fight with the snake well, um the cr- i think it's the crate dragon yeah and i think that it worked better than like it's the, the other it's literally the alaskan bullworm from spongebob that's what it made <laughs> me think about because yeah. i thought like they were going to go into the cave and they beat it up and then they'd be like well that was just its tongue and then it comes <laughs> like rolling out yeah i was expecting when they first it reminded me of the pirates of the caribbean like octopus thing that they faced by the very end of the second one and if we're doing if we're doing this where we're just going to constantly be like it reminded me it also reminded me of a witcher fight in the video game series mm-hmm. like there's this big bag villain that like uh in the third one i think that you face and you have to run around it a ton of times because it's so large and that's does it game. spit acid like this one does <laughs> no that that would be more of the pirates of the caribbean guy yeah but i i like also you're the- talking about the one that eats jack yeah, the, the one that takes down the ship that has Jack. Yeah, they pulled the Sharknado in this episode too, didn't they? Where I, you knew from the get-go that it wasn't going to be as simple as we'll just blow it up from right, the bottom exactly. because its belly is weak. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so I was expecting the plan to be from the get-go. They were going to go the Death Star route, which means just aim for, like, that one opening. So when its mouth opens, yeah. they were going to, like, shoot into that's, some that's bombs exactly or something. That's exactly what I thought, too, yeah. Yeah, but instead they were like, okay, we're going to have him eat it in Mr. Incredible style, break <laughs> out of the monster. <laughs> I thought that was going to end up really cheesy, but I did, like, the, like, CGI that they used on that, especially when he flew out of the mouth and you saw the lightning. Yeah, so even though this is a Star Wars film and it's adult in the way that there's violence and such, it's still very kiddish in the fact that, like, the storylines tend to come together at the end and there's a feel-good ending. Yeah, and So, like, it, it was predictable. Yeah. From the get-go, it's not like he wasn't going to beat the sandworm, but it does play out sort of like a side mission in a video game yeah. where it's like, okay, now you're going to be sent off to Tatooine and there's this, there, we're, we're about to kill you, but then, oh, wait we have this problem in our town and if you <laughs> solve that problem then you get what you need and you get to move on yeah i know that the stunts on this show uh like they use a lot of stunt doubles but even but despite that pedro pascal has been injured in the past apparently he was reading his script for the season finale and he got injured of with the show well no but it's kind of like that he actually walked into a piece of plywood sending him to the hospital where he got seven stitches but right after he got those seven stitches he went right back to the set and finished the series which i thought was pretty cool so it's like spider-man after dark like <laughs> yeah basically people keep on getting injured on set anybody else get injured uh that was the only one that i saw but apparently what they were supposed to do with carl weathers character grief cargo was they were supposed to have him in the first episode and kill him off in the third one uh, he was going to make, they were going to make him a different alien race with plans to put him in full prosthetics, but then they're like, no, that's, that's dumb. Let's just keep him alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, there were those lizard dogs in this episode. Those were kind of weird. Yeah. You're talking about the things that when they were down, the in one the that canyon, wanted, right? wanted to eat baby Yoda had the giant tongue, which yeah, that I thought something was going to happen with that, but that just seemed like kind of a MacGuffin. <laughs> well, there was also the Indiana Jones reference where, uh, Timothy Alphonse character refused the, um, food, the water thing or whatever. Yeah. He had it later on. Yeah. But like at first, they stinky were like, water. <laughs> <laughs> the timeline of this show is supposed to be, it's based five years after the return of the Jedi and 25 years before the rise of the first order, which was in the force awakens of 2015. So like they have a, a lot of like space you said time 25 years before that 25 years yeah. so ray isn't born yet but she's about to be yeah <laughs> okay the mandalorian has also had a checkered past um because it's been trying to be greenlit for so many years even starting all the way back in 2009 but it was just deemed way too expensive and dave filoni who as i said has started working on the show he got the call that he should work on it when he was finishing up avatar the last airbender so he's definitely into that like kid type of show that you're talking about there's also seems to be more comedy than there is in the star wars films like yeah. you're in you're putting a lot more comedians in the show <laughs> like you mentioned uh, princess carolyn was in it and then polymoto yeah and And, and the droids are dangerously close to becoming jar jars like they're funny right now but they are so stupid and they bump into each other so much that they could just become annoying i'm not sure if i would say they're dangerously close to becoming jar jar but yeah i did find them funny because they were just like small little things that like the one put the plug in its face or whatever yeah i know and that's like it's funny but it's also like why is that a droid apparently this show is also supposed to it was supposed to make a like obi-wan live action tv show but i think production for that has been pushed back to like march until you and until you and mcgregor is old enough to play that old <laughs> obi-wan like you can't recast the guy because he has a contract that goes for 40 years <laughs> yeah and apparently the sh- mandalorian had 50 scripts written for it before it even like all for episode production one. well they were wanting to go for 100 episodes okay but so I they think- had 50 scripts for 100 episodes i have some bad 
bad news. No, I mean, they had 50 <laughs> scripts, so they were mean to go 100 episodes. The thing is, though, is that uh, I don't think they're going to reach there because every episode, including this one, it's eight episodes. Every season, I mean. Yeah, they probably convert. I forgot that the uh, episodes weren't 20 minutes long. For some reason in my head, I was like, okay, this is a shorter thing until like I was watching this and it was like, wow, this is a long episode. Well, I know fans wanted the episodes to be longer, and I think this one is the longest or one of the longest that they had. Did the fans also ask for more guest stars? Because it feels like there's a yeah. whole lot of them. I think I think it's almost kind of like a joke at this point with how many things they are. Yeah, but in the actual movies, like if you are a guest star, you're like someone who has a mask on and you barely say a word like Channing Tatum was. Yeah, I know. And then there was Tom Hardy, I think, also. But maybe I confused the two. Yeah. (laughs) But um, I think but like the guest stars aren't detracting from the show. Like I like Bill Burr's one episode. Yeah, but doesn't this episode feel like it was also giving a nod to his justified character? Yeah, no, legitimately, this felt like one of his justified characters, especially the way he spoke and just acted. I was like, oh, that's Raylan Gibbons. Yeah, except for the fact that he's more like the Banshee guy and that he took the ownership of the Marshall role for himself. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. But and he also knows the guy behind the bar, right? Wasn't the Banshee yeah, guy? Yeah, no, like, he knows the guy behind the bar and he was about to fight in the bar. <laughs> and then you noticed in this episode, the only person in that town that didn't seem to be human was the guy, the bartender. Yeah. That was, that was, that was, uh, I was wondering why the bartender, when he saw that stuff was going down between Marshall and the Mandalorian, didn't run out of there before, because the ground rumbles, and that's the thing that makes him leave, but he doesn't run out when they're about to have a draw. Yeah, I thought the standoff scene was pretty funny, and it was also well done, because I didn't expect a giant sandworm to come interrupt the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I couldn't predict that. I probably should have. I, I was wondering if Timothy Oliphant was just going to be there for like a four minute scene. I was like, is that all they're going to have him for? But then, yeah, you saw the rumbling. And I did like how Yoda, the baby Yoda, comes out of the canteen at the very end. And I also like the beginning when like, you know, that the Mandalorian was about to attack someone and baby Yoda automatically knew that. So he like, he just sat in his basket and closed the gap. Yeah. In one episode, you have multiple times where the Mandalorian is just approaching an empty, desolate town, but they'd actually made it pretty interesting each time because when he walked up to Tatooine it reminded me of those video games like I was about to play Battlefront and I was like ooh well I'm gonna get behind there and then I'm gonna (laughs) shoot the yeah um but either way the towns were deserted so again COVID (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i know that the mandalorian is also bringing characters that people want to see rosario dawson supposed to be in the season and she'll be playing a shoko tano a jedi padawan who is a character from well she does she links all the episodes right no, she's, she's the link no, before all of She's not doing that with like no, every... No, I, I don't think she's doing that with every series ever. Okay. Uh, but the character she's playing is a character from the animated Clone Wars series. Mm-hmm. And I she's think... a nurse. <laughs> no, no. I think that she's uh was trained by Anakin. And I think that she's like a mainstay in the Clone Wars series. So it makes me wonder how much of a like role she's going to have in this so show. So she does connect them all. She's in Clone Wars too? Well, no, she doesn't voice the character from Clone Wars, but the character is in Clone Wars. Oh, <laughs> was she one of the voices that ray hears at the end no of the- no <laughs> <laughs> okay all right no rosario dawson's cool and i'm sure she'll do a good job it's just weird to see so many familiar faces on the t- episodes yeah i know that the show was called uh, originally called star wars underworld but had a completely different plot underworld sounds like that vampire movie yeah that's exactly what i thought too yeah and but some of the plots that they had for that show were used for star wars rogue one and uh solo a star wars story there's also going to be a new rogue movie right like it's not going to be rogue one but it's another independent star wars movie that they're that's in the works right now i read about it oh okay cool yeah i think that i think i find it weird that they were originally supposed to make nine movies and now they're just going to keep on making them they're just pee pumping them out yeah it's true it's the Um, money mobile (laughs) 
The Mandalorian, however, has gotten critical acclaim. It has, uh, well, overall, it has like a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Season 1 has a 93%. Season audience 2 has score. a 96%. Audience, audience score. score is like 92%, oh, okay. I think. It um, passes. The pros, <laughs> it's action-packed and expertly crafted. Other reviews say they like the acting, the story, the cinematography especially. I did I did like the wide shots that they're always able to use. They're able to make that kind of look really cool. Um, IMDb has it at an 8.7 overall. It's the number 115. Uh, television show on the top 250 for season three do you think they're going to add more mandalorians because they're already wearing masks <laughs> i mean I, actually i saw an article that said the exact same thing oh no <laughs> i'm not but, a creative thinker <laughs> but uh i know that pre-production started for season three back in april um the first episode of the second season has a nine point <laughs> right as the pandemic hit yeah. so i assumed it went right from pre-production into hiatus production well like i said they were able to finish this like a week before the the pandemic truly hit yeah um the first episode of the second season has a 9.2 based off of around 2,000 reviews i expect that score to change because the lowest amount of reviews i saw for season one was around 15,000. Mm-hmm. so very popular show george lucas even visited the set of the mandalorian on john favreau's birthday that's cool but I'm surprised they didn't just escort him off and they were like, all right, George, you've done enough for the series. We don't want it ended up like episode one, two, or three. No, he he liked the pilot a lot. It was very complimentary. Do you know it. how much they fact check on set just to make sure they're following the canon? Because I know there's books, there's TV shows. Like you said, George Lucas was a part of it. So yeah. he's probably pretty gung-ho about making sure everything falls straight. Well, I think that if they weren't able to, they'd have some really like angry nerds coming after them probably. Well, not just the nerds, but like the tone of the show kind of changes from what the Star Wars yeah. is about. Like, Star Wars is this deep, dramatic soap opera, right? Yeah. This is not a soap opera. Yeah. This is like a sitcom. <laughs> well, no, I mean, like, I... I mean, that fight scene's pretty epic. And this is the first time that Baby Yoda didn't really use his powers in the fight yeah, scene. Yeah, because remember the first season, there were episodes where the Mandalorian would fight a creature that was, like, I don't know, semi-version of this. Yeah, and Baby Yoda would use his force powers. He would need Baby Yoda to help him. And I understand he had a town and Timothy Oliphant to help him with this one, but like it seemed like the monsters are getting bigger, or maybe they're trying to amp it up. And yeah, I it. think it's the fact they're getting bigger, and also I remember when Baby Yoda would use his powers, he'd be knocked out for days on end. Okay, well, I think... but I mean, he hasn't become true Yoda yet. Yeah, no. I... <laughs> Does he become the older version of Yoda? Or is no, it takes place five years after yeah, the original told me Yoda that. has died. So he's like some sort of rebirth of that. Yeah, Yoda. a lot of people are wondering like what kind of species he is and if we're going to see more of them. Yeah, the thing I've I want... owned two Yodas in my life and they <laughs> just are very mysterious. They're, well, they're never open about it. I'm wondering if the show is going to do more to kind of like bring Baby Yoda into the plot because I know the show got some flack for the first season for mm-hmm. just kind of dropping him off at certain points yeah and pouring water on him past 12 or whatever no he's not a gremlin okay <laughs> he's not because that's the closest i have for him he looks I mean, he a little look, bit like yeah he does yeah. look a little bit he like is a gremlin. ears yeah mm-hmm. he's the nice gremlin though out of all of them that was gizmo right <laughs> yeah good, good memory if you had to grade this on a scale of like a b c d what would you give it I'd probably give it like a B. I I learned that Timothy Oliphant's character was like so much that people started saying on Twitter that they want a spin-off series of him. (laughs) And I was like, just just watch watch Justify. Justify. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But the AV Club gave this a B plus, stating that the adventure story was compelling as well as incorporating elements of medieval fantasy. Perhaps the most glowing review I saw for the uh, show 
came from comic book movie. Uh, it gave the... I've never heard of comic book movie. It sounds yeah, like a made-up website. Well, I... I'm glad it gave it a glowing review, it, well, it but I don't, I don't trust it, comic book websites. I mean, he gave it a five out of five, saying that The Mandalorian was essential viewing. Essential viewing. Yeah. Because their website is new, and they need essential viewers. Um, yeah, if they keep on switching up the genre every episode, I think that would be pretty interesting. Like, next week, have a Walking Dead-themed episode, <laughs> and, the, like, they've done the Western, they've done the Justified one, next one, have a Sons of Anarchy one, where everybody <laughs> walks in there with gangs. Can you imagine if they brought in Ron Perlman with full, like, pro- uh, prosthetic <laughs> makeup and stuff oh, like well, that? Oh, he was in the episode. Ron Perlman was in this episode. Yeah, Ron Perlman was in this episode. He was the uh, dragon. You can't even name who he was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but if he's in, like, his beast makeup or whatever, and he comes in there and he starts fighting the Mandalorian, (laughs) claws out. I I think it would be cool if the Mandalorian kind of did, like, a noir route. What do you actually think is going to happen in the series? Like, Yoda's going to find his dad. <laughs> or is it gonna end with like them being like Yoda? You get to choose your own last name. <laughs> Almost Yoda. Like Air Bud, where like he has to pick which person to uh, to go to. No, okay. <laughs> I think they have to end it on something significant. Yeah, like, I. That's why I think that Gideon, they're going to see him again, and he's going to die, or he's going to meet Bubba Fett by the I end. I think Mark Hamill will show up at some point. There was actually, I believe Mark Hamill was kind of like did one of those cameos in the show in the first season where he was like dressed in makeup, but like he made no, it. No, 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 no. I mean, like, legitimately, I think he's going to, like, end up on that island with Mark Hamill. And then Mark Hamill's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm busy teaching Ben Solo right now. And then and he's going to drink milk from that one no, creature. No, <laughs> no, no. All right, we're going to end the podcast now. Thanks for listening. And we're going to have, <laughs> we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. <laughs>